it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittramalides and I'm here, as ever, with Sid Lowe. Hello Sydney. Hi Phil, how you doing? I'm well my friend, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. I'm just back from uh, from the UK of course, I had an interesting experience this weekend. I, I went to the Classico and I went to Manchester to watch the Manchester Derby. So I've seen two uh, top, top football matches uh, this weekend, so I'm, I'm very, very pleased. Um, you uh, you okay for a Monday? I, I I saw two top football matches as well because I saw uh-huh. and then I saw then I saw your your beloved and very mighty Rayo Vallecano draw two two with a yeah baby right at the end against Real Sociedad. More on that in just a moment. Uh, here's uh, what else happened on uh, match day eleven. So Friday night saw Girona score very very late on to claim a victory against Stelter. It, sc- it finished uh, 1-0 at Montelivi and it means that Girona have continued their quite frankly absurd start to the season. They are level on points with leaders Real Madrid. They've got 28 points from a possible 33. It is absolutely staggering what they're doing yeah. and what they continue to do as well. Uh, then on Saturday, uh, Almeria continued to be at the uh, very much the opposite end of the uh, spectrum and indeed the table. They're bottom, uh, the only team without a victory. They lost 2-1 at home to Las Palmas. Barcelona also lost 2-1 at home to Real Madrid in the Clasico. Much more on that in just a moment. Mallorca and Getafe played out an almost inevitable uh, 0-0 draw and Cadiz uh, threw away a 2-0 lead at home to Sevilla to draw 2-2 in a local Andalusian derby. Uh, Then on Sunday, uh, Isco scored a 94th minute winner for Betis as they beat Osasuna 2-1. Bebe scored an injury time equaliser for Rayo at home to Real Sociedad. That finished 2-2. It also finished 2-2 between Athletic Club and... um, Valencia, we had a lot of uh, late uh, sort of injury time goals uh, mm. this weekend, didn't we? Because Alex Berenguer scored deep into stoppage time for Athletic Club to claim that 2-2 uh, draw. And we also had Atletico Madrid beating Alaves by two goals to one. Monday night football is at the Estadio Nuevo Los Carmenes. It's Granada against Villarreal. If you enjoyed El Clasico, why not join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP this week? And even if you didn't enjoy the game, uh, patrons will be getting a, a Q&A podcast, a bonus podcast and a new episode of TSFP Presents More Super Seasons, which we didn't get time to record last week, but we promise we will this week. Plus, there's Al's paper reviews, access to the TSFP Discord and all that for just around four euros a month. So come and join us. To the Classico then, Sydney, which we both uh, witnessed uh, in situ uh, at the uh, at the Estadio Montjuic, first ever Classico uh, to be played in that particular stadium. Before we get to the game, what um, what did you make of the stadium? What did you make of the stadium experience of the Classico at Montjuic? 
I feel slightly um, unqualified to answer this properly because, of course, I was there for work rather than to, to enjoy it as an experience. Um, and because of that, I had earpieces in, radio on, that kind of thing, um, and, and sort of was dashing around a little bit. But I, I like the stadium in terms of a, a, as a location, as a pre-game location, I like it. As that sense of it being kind of an occasion, I like it. But I, I do think it is not a great stadium from an atmosphere point of view. And I think it, what, it is noticeable, certainly, that the fans are not as close to the pitch. I thought the, the level of noise was a very, very long way away from a Classico at the Camp Nou. And I think that was to do, obviously, with, um, with the, purely with the numbers. We're talking about 50,000 as opposed to 90,000 or 98,000. It's half the size. Yeah, exactly. It's, half the size. That, it's likely to be less. But also, I think the way that the noise escapes the stadium, because, of course, it's, it's, it's a shallower bowl. Um, it's not as high. It's not as close to the pitch. Um, so it was noticeably less intense in that sense. But it felt like quite a nice occasion. It's difficult as well to judge as... I think partly because it was a it was a sunny Saturday afternoon, and normally it's kind of yes. a brooding late night kind of uh, you know what would you call it? Well, I suppose a brooding late night affair. Um, well, yes, drama filled spotlight yeah. under the under the lights. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it felt a bit weird. It was actually a really nice day, wasn't it? Quite really yeah. quite warm in the uh, in in the sunshine. Anyway, and that was the sort of experience. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I mean, the the noise was definitively definitively much less um, than it was at the camp. Now, and I noticed that I, right at the start when the hymnal uh, is uh, is sung, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is nice, but it is nowhere near the kind of rendition you get when you're at the uh, camp now, particularly mm, in a definitely um, true particularly in a classico. So it was, <clears throat> for the old cliche, Sid, game of two halves, really, wasn't it? I mean, certainly, I mean, Barcelona were better, much better than Real Madrid, I thought, in the first half, maybe first 60 minutes or so. Yeah. And then the game really got away from them for all sorts of reasons, which I'm sure you'll get into now. And Real Madrid did what they do if you do not kill them off. They came back and they, they won. Yeah. Um, I would expand it a little bit more than two halves. I would expand it more or less to the moment that, that Bellingham scores. But I think it started to shift slightly even before that. Actually, it started the, to shift. They were better. Real Madrid yeah. were better at the start of the second half. Yeah, I, I think it did start to shift. Real Madrid took a little bit of a step up in the second half. I think actually, not long after Camavinga came on, the truth is that he he got caught a couple of times by Jao Cancelo, and those were the two he really did. best opportunities to have to have probably ended it for Barcelona, as well as the fact that, that Inigo Martinez hits the post and it's that brilliant save from Kepa um, on the follow-up to when, when, when Ronald Araujo has a shot from, from close range at the near post. But then the game was ever so slightly starting to tilt and I think it tilts properly with the Bellingham goal that comes out of almost nowhere. Now, it's not quite fair to say absolutely nowhere, but almost nowhere. And it's one of those moments you think, what? <laughs> and it... it, it I, I've watched it back and I feel slightly differently than the way I did at the time, which is at the time it, it felt to me like I could sort of see it coming in the sense that when the ball's at his feet, I think I thought to myself, he's going to shoot. I think when you watch it back, it looks rushed. It looks more rushed. I think at the time I felt like it was, it looked almost lazy. It looked almost to me like he'd placed it in the corner, whereas in fact he'd absolutely belted it. But there isn't much of a backlift. I think it's extraordinary how much power he gets on the shot, considering it seems to be just a kind of a case of, it's a sort of a kind of a, it's almost a, a sod off of a shot, isn't it? It's like, oh, sod off, bang, into the back of the net. It's just a brilliant, brilliant shot. And then that tilted the game. I also think there are other elements that tilt the game. I think the substitutions that Real Madrid made helped them. 
including, and I don't mean this to sound as rude or as mean or as dismissive as it might do, but here we go, let's say it anyway. When Mendy went off and Camavinga went on, Mendy went off because he was struggling slightly with a, with a muscle problem. And I must admit, I thought, that's the best news Madrid could have had. And, and that's, that, that seems like a terribly nasty thing to say about Mendy, who's obviously a very good footballer. Yeah. But I felt like the, 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 the energy and the variety of the things that Camavinga can do, I felt immediately this will be good for Real Madrid. And having someone like Camavinga on the pitch, I think is good for Real Madrid. That said, as I've already just mentioned, the first, the first what is it, five minutes that he's on the pitch, there's those yeah. two really good chances for Cancelo. And actually, had those two gone in, or one of the two gone in, we might be looking at it and go, there you go, you see, Camavinga's not a left-back. And of course, he's not a left-back. But I actually think he's better than the two left-backs they've got. Um, and, and I say that being a fan of Fran Garfier, by the way. You know, I say that despite the fact I really like Fran Garfier. So I think that yeah. helped. I think the introduction of Modric helped. And I think that Barcelona's substitution decisions on substitutions um, didn't help for Barcelona. And one of them, obviously, is Lewandowski. And you get the feeling that because he comes on basically on the hour, I'm not sure if it was exactly on the hour, but more or less on the hour, you kind of look at that and you think, that's a decision that's been taken pre-game, isn't it? That's mm. a decision where the medical staff have said, look, don't risk him more than half an hour. So mm. it's kind of almost preordained that come what may, Lewandowski goes on with, with half an hour to go after, after around about an hour. Um, and I think that was a problem for Barcelona. I think it was a problem for a couple of reasons. Um, Ferran Torres wasn't playing particularly brilliantly, but he was giving them energy. He was stretching the game open a little bit. He was creating, uh, creating the space for others to play into. And with Lewandowski, I think it got a bit static. Uh, if you look at his statistics, and I was looking at them earlier on today, uh, uh-huh. he gets the ball. He's involved in the game, I think, twenty-eight times and loses the ball ten times. I think that's right, or nine times. And he was losing the ball in positions that weren't good ones. And he was kind of the starting point of a lot of Real Madrid attacks. And now that that's again, that feels a bit unfair to kind of point the finger individually at Lewandowski. But I think it changed, if you like, the dynamic of the team when he um, when he came on, when Odiol Romeo came on. And what's the other change? And the other change... Or is it just those two? Uh, Rafinha. I think it's Rafinha. Uh, Rafinha. Um, and, and so I did feel like Barcelona lost some of what it was they were doing very well in the first half. That said, I do think it's quite likely, given the number of games they've played, given the number of absentees they had, given that they were playing with, with some very young players in the team, given... And I don't know whether this makes a big difference or not, but, but let's throw it in as part of the conditioning elements that they'd had a day fewer than Real Madrid in terms of the recovery from the Champions League. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm never particularly won over by that argument, but it might be another element. I always thought it was quite likely that in the last 20 minutes against a team that's as good athletically as Real Madrid, which mm-hmm. doesn't say that Real Madrid are only athletes, because they're absolutely not, but that's as good athletically as Real Madrid. I always thought it was quite likely that Barcelona would need it to be safe before they got to that point. And it mm. wasn't. It wasn't. certainly wasn't. Um Let's talk about your uh, your tweet. You said Bellingham, etc. Obviously, but yesterday there were three players yeah. that really stood out for me: Gavi, Fermin, and Camavinga. You've mentioned Camavinga already. Mm. Talk to me about Gavi and, and Fermin because, yeah, for that period where Barcelona are on top, those two were really, really on top, on top in midfield and, and really, really involved. They're, they're that very yeah. young duo as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, just very briefly as well to throw in to throw in both Modric and Carver Howe, who maybe should have made it to in, into that tweet. But those were the three players that stood out to me. Um, and watching the game back, I think I've become more enamoured with Modric's performance and more enamoured with with um, Carver Howe's performance. I think that those two in in those 
first 60 minutes or so were, were, were superb, really, really superb in, in different ways as well. And it was interesting because if you, if you watch the, the structure of the team and, and certainly in the first half, I was watching it more closely in the second because in the second, the nature of the job I do is that the writing starts to kind of overtake everything else. And the first half, you've got time to sort of take it in a little bit more. And, and it, was, it was interesting because you had Gundogan, with, in the absence of Odriol Romeo and, of course, the continued absence of Frankie de Jong through injury, you had Gundogan and Gavi almost playing parallel. It was almost a midfield two. And the part of that was because Gavi was very, very close to Bellingham. And I think that was an awareness of how good Bellingham is. It was an awareness of the fact that I think Gavi, Gavi in recent weeks has played quite well from a deep, deeper position, even though I like him leading the press and dragging the team forward and taking a step up, which actually he was doing quite a bit of that as well. Um, and, and Gavi was everywhere with Bellingham, didn't allow Bellingham really to, to move very much, but also was snapping into tackles and other people. It's his challenge, I think, on Cruz that leads to the chance for Fermin to hit the post. He was trying to step the team very high, push them higher up. And I think actually they struggled when, when, when he was his position was slightly shifted with the changes and he was not doing that quite so much anymore. And I thought he, he was brilliant. Fermin was really interesting to me because Fermin, it seemed to me, did a little bit of all of those things you want a midfielder to do, playing just to the right of the midfield. So it was almost like a two, it was almost a four, two, three, one, you know, it was yeah. almost like a, like the next line was, was uh, Fermin with Cancelo outside him, Balde over on the other side uh, or Jao Felix over on the other side um, with Balde slightly further behind him. And, and you, you had a Fermin who I thought was given quite a lot of freedom, was combining really well with teammates with the ball, was snapping into challenges. I thought he got the better of Tony Cruz for most of that first half. And a lot of that first half, he was quite close to Tony Cruz. The one midfielder they didn't have anyone really close to was, was um, Valverde. And it felt like a deliberate plan that to almost encourage Real Madrid to play to the left and not to look so much to Vinicius, who didn't have a great game, mm. or at least... In fact, no, he didn't have a great game at all. I was going to say, at least to start with, he didn't really have a great game at all. And I thought Fermin was, was exceptional. Uh, for someone who was, correct me if I'm wrong, starting only his third league game for Barcelona, I thought the quality of his performance and the dynamism and the awareness and the understanding and the positioning was, was really, really exceptional. Yeah. For someone who was on loan at Linares... Yeah. Last season, uh, in the uh, in the third tier of of Spanish football, uh, uh, Fermin with his uh, third start of the season and uh, and very impressive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After the game, my, um, my colleague at La Liga TV, Bruno Bergarece, spoke to Ilkay Gundogan mm. in the mix. Well, it wasn't the mix zone, in the, uh, in the area where uh, uh, TVs speak to, uh, speak to players. 
And he gave these quotes, which have been, well, they've gone viral, really, because mm. of uh, the impact of them. He says, after such a big game and such a result, I want more frustration, more anger, more disappointment. There has to be more emotion when you lose. I didn't come here to lose these types of games. It's, um, it's quite an extraordinary thing to say. Obviously, I think he's... In the moment, he's caliente, as they say in, in Spanish, because the game's just finished and he's, well, not just finished. It wasn't on the pitch interview, but, you know, the game's finished, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes afterwards. He's still very frustrated about what's happened. I think he's probably gone into the dressing room and maybe seen people on their phones, maybe people smiling or having a joke or something. And that has not sat well with the captain mm. of the Champions League winning team last season. And he's come out and he said this. Um, do you see, how do you think these quotes are going to have gone down? I don't know, actually. Um, I thought it was interesting because he opened it by saying, you know, I, I, I feel I need to say something, but, but I'm not going to say as much as I would like to. <laughs> it's a good job you didn't. <laughs> because if hmm. this is what you were saying when you were holding back, I, the question is to ha how these would have gone down. I think with a lot of fans, they've gone down quite well. Because I think there is that idea that says, yeah, good, don't settle for second best. Don't settle for feeling like you've played well. Don't settle for this idea that, oh, well, it's okay, we're improving, we're a young team and all this. No, because you compete and you go and win. And if you don't win, you should be pissed off. Then there will be some teammates who may well agree with him. But the other thing is, I, I think I'm a little bit uneasy about these kind of things. And obviously, I'm, I'm uneasy about saying I'm uneasy about it because he has seen it, he has lived it, and he is in the inside, and I certainly am not. But one of the reasons why I'm un uneasy about it is I think that people express frustrations and disappointments in different ways. And just because, let's say for argument's sake, and I'm literally just going to pluck a name out of the air. Let's say for argument's sake, Andreas Christensen is on his phone talking to his dad and has a laugh about something. Or let's say for argument's sake, uh, one, of the, one of Barcelona's Spanish players is having a long chat post-game with one of Real Madrid's Spanish players and they, you know, they're patting each other on the back and, and being very friendly. I don't think that necessarily is, a, is, is, a, is, is an expression of not caring. And I, and I think there is sometimes a risk of that. But then, of course, you know, Gundogan knows football, knows dressing rooms far better than me. As you say, he's a Champions League winning captain. And I think he may well be thinking that there are some things that are accepted too easily. That said, I look at the Barcelona team and I, and I think, well, I'm not sure on the face of it who this will be aimed at. Because I think you, you can't aim it at Fermin because he's so young. Or maybe, I, maybe you can, mm. I guess. I don't think you're going to be aiming it at Gavi, who looked like he was in tears at the end. I don't think you're going to be aiming it at Ronald Adolfo, who is someone who is um, very, very committed, very much a competitor. Maybe Cancelo, but, you know, he's of an age that, mind you, well, he knows I mean, Cancelo. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He knows Cancelo. So. Anyway. We don't need to play No, no, we don't need to. Sorry, but, I mean... but that wasn't really my intention. Yeah, and I, and I must admit, I realised then as I started to go through it that what I was going to end up doing was isolating <laughs> players. And that wasn't my intention. My, my point really was just to say... Does he have brown hair? Yeah. <laughs> Is he wearing glasses? Is he wearing a red jumper? Um, my point really was just to sort of say, I don't look at this as a team and say it's a team that looks weak to me. I think it's a team that's actually competed mm. over the last year or so. I think it's a team that won the league last year despite some weaknesses in terms of controlling games and some of those Barcelona ideas and actually won the league partly through having some of the other things about them um and so so I was quite surprised by it and I think there will be some teammates who won't appreciate the idea that they've been publicly exposed yes. and even if he's right I don't think they'll appreciate being publicly exposed I also think there's another thing which is that when fans like this kind of thing I think mm -hmm. other players quite often think that if you like that what that player has done has played to the gallery if you see what I mean 
Well, speaking of playing to the gallery, this is not the first time that we've had a, a similar kind of situation because you'll remember in the uh, Spanish Super Cup, I think it was, was it last year when uh, Barcelona lost to Real Madrid in extra time and uh, mm. Juan Laporta came out and said, you know, we need to be proud, proud of how we competed. And then Frankie de Jong uh, says, um, yes, you know, I, I, yeah, I'd forgotten I'm, about I'm that. a bit embarrassed. You know, we can't say that we're proud because we lost against Real Madrid. We, you know, it's, this is Barca and you, when you lose, you've got to be disappointed. You can't be proud. So mm. there were similar kind of sentiments there from them. Um, uh, from Frankie de Jong. Um, yeah. I, I'm aware of the fact that we want to move on and, and um, talk about some other uh, matches and things that happened this weekend. But we do have to try and uh, you know mention <laughs> mention Real Madrid and analyse them a little bit. And Jude Bellingham, Sid, in this game, scored two goals. And at the same time, it wasn't a particularly good game from him at all. Can you say that someone's had a bad game if they scored two extremely important goals in a massive, massive game? You can't. You can't no, because he's had such an impact. Because but no, exactly before those goals, he had genuinely been absolutely off the pace, out of the game. He hadn't been in the game, and then he steps up with that massive, massive shot from distance, terrific. And then he's in the right place at the right time to score the winner. Incredibly, incredibly in injury time, and I had my head in my hands. I was going, I can't believe this. This is genuinely unbelievable. But yeah, before that, there hadn't been much from him. No, no, no. And he, he said this himself, didn't he, in a post-game. Yeah. Um, he, he said it wasn't his best performance. It wasn't his teammate's best performance. I think this links to what I was saying before about the performance of Gavi. I think a lot of it was about Gavi. It was really enjoyable watching those two battle it out because I think yes. this was, a, this was a, a battle that said something about mutual admiration as well. And not just the fact that they had it, but the way they had it. You know, there was lots of kind of patting each other on the back when they got up. Lots of, you know, an awareness that this is this is a proper game with two proper players. And I actually thought Gavi was was the better of them, which is an absurd yeah. thing to say when Bellingham then does that. Um, I think there were a couple of times he he had the first dash into the box really early on, right right inside the first minute or so. Um, and at that point, I thought, okay, here we go because you got the athleticism, and it was interesting to see how Gavi, who is much smaller than him, but is obviously feisty and tough, and we know that, was able to, to, to manage him. He did seem, it seemed, it felt to me like he was finding it difficult to receive the ball in the kind of positions he likes to receive them in. I think Madrid didn't get enough of, of the possession to enable him to, to play his normal game as well. Um, but then, as you say, he then produces a shot out of nowhere. And he did, as I say, he hit it in a way that sort of spoke of frustration, I guess. Um, I mean, maybe that's a little bit simplistic, but it was it was a kind of I'll have it sort of of a shot, a, a, a sod yeah. off of a shot, and brilliantly, brilliantly struck. And as I say, at the time, I felt that there was no backlift at all. And then when he scored, have you seen the footage? I really quite like this. There's a bit of footage. The camera catches Pedri and Sergio Roberto in the stands when Bellingham scores the second. And of course, the second, the ball flicks up off Modric's foot. It's a little bit lucky. It bounces over Inigo Martinez's head, and, and there's Bellingham. And this comes from a Barcelona move that breaks down right in the corner, one back by Fede Valverde, pretty much in his own corner. Madrid then keep the ball for about a minute or so, opens out to, to Carvajal, cross comes in, deflected, and there's Bellingham. Anyway, the, the camera catches Pedri and, um, and, and Sergio Roberto, and Pedri says, Que culo tiene? In other words, what a big arse he's got, in other, it's, which is Spanish for how lucky is that? You know, how jammy is this guy? And Sergio Roberto says, it just drops, it just bounces right there for him. And of course, they're both right. There is a very large degree of luck in that. 
But when this keeps happening... Make, make when, your own luck in this world, well, Sydney. You, you make you, your I mean, own you, luck in this you don't, world. You don't entirely make your own luck, but what you do is you position yourself in a way to take advantage of those lucky breaks when they happen. Uh-huh. And plenty of players don't do it, and Bellingham does. And he has learned this. And this has happened often enough now, all season. The goal he scored at the weekend, the first one, was the first time he'd scored a goal outside the area. All the others have been in the area. And that tells you something about two fundamental traits he, that he's demonstrated this year. One we always knew about which was the run from deep into the area. And the other one, which we didn't really know about, which was much more the striker's run, the response to the loose ball, the response yeah. to sneaking behind a centre-back, the ability to see where it was going to drop. And so was, does he have a cooler? Does he have a big ass? Yes, a little bit. But he judges it and he sees it. And a guy that's got this many goals, by the way, through this few shots, it's 11 goals in La Liga with only 19 shots. Yeah. This isn't a guy... There's no stat padding here. Because all of no. his goals, apart from the third, I think it was against Almeria, are goals that are significant in the outcome of the game. There's yes. no stat packing and there's no wild shooting. And there he is again. And it is not purely chance. And this is why we're talking about a Bellingham who's an all-round midfielder who genuinely has got qualities of a number nine or has developed the capacity to be in the places that a number nine would be in. You've described it twice now as a sod-off of a shot. I'm yeah. just envisaging thousands of our American listeners Googling sod-off to um, try and uh, get an understanding as to what, <laughs> so what you mean by that. But we'll, we'll leave it to their imagination. You know, a kind of, a kind of, you know, kind of a, a, a sort of, a, a sort of a I mean, release I of tension, mean. a release of tension, yes. a release of anger, kind of like, I'll get out of here. And then, boom, yeah. it's in the back of the net. Indeed. Uh, all right, let's move on. But if there's something that we didn't mention, I'm sure there's loads of topics that you'd like us to discuss about the uh, Classico. Send us a question for the Q&A podcast and we'll get to it tomorrow. See, Atletico Madrid have won six games in a row now. Their 2-1 win against Alaves was their 14th consecutive home mm. league win. That equals uh, their best ever run, which was set in the uh, 2012-2013 season. They're three points off top with a game in hand. Yeah. And, as we've been suggesting for a while, they are serious, serious title contenders. They are conceded late on uh, against Alaves in the uh, in the 96th minute, I, I think it was. Otherwise, the scoreline would have been uh, a little bit more uh, comfortable. Alvaro Morata scoring again. Rodrigo Riquelme proving that he's a very, very useful player, filling in at, at left wing back. At the moment, Atletico Madrid are on an extremely impressive run. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And, and, and as you say, 2-1, but a late goal from Alaves. And Luis Garcia, the, the Alaves manager after the game, said, look, I thought this scoreline was short. They should have beaten us by a lot more mm-hmm. than this. And they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they probably should have taken chances sooner. And they probably shouldn't have conceded the goal they conceded late on. I'm not sure that Oblak is particularly good on the goal, to be honest with you. Um, and mm-hmm. actually, if Atletico can tighten up and recover some of the things they've had in previous years, I think we'll look at them and think they are very, very strong indeed. The issue for me would be, can they assimilate injuries if they are key injuries if they were to lose Griezmann I think they would be in big big trouble but they look they look really really good uh, and, and it's happening nothing ever happens entirely quietly at Atletico Madrid but it's not happening with a huge amount of noise around them I think perhaps mm. because of that game in hand so you don't actually see them at the top of the table but you know win that game in hand and then you will but that game in hand is not till just before Christmas so so maybe they'll be able to kind of hide slightly in the meantime but I think they look really good. They're creating a lot of chances. They're scoring a lot of goals. They have a degree of variety to the forward line. I don't want to overplay that because, as I've just said, I think if they were without Griezmann, they would have problems. And, and, and I don't think there's a player that can do what Morata does, although Angel Correa does other things that are good. And yeah, when he's fit, which actually isn't that often, sadly, Memphis does other good things as well. But I think they, they look like a team that that should... 
I'm not going to say they should compete for the league, but I think for a big chunk of this season, they should be within touching distance of the top. Uh, and who knows, if they still are with 10 games to go, maybe they can yeah. actually compete for it. Well, as we said, they're three points off the top with a game in hand, which is at home to Sevilla. Uh, tell me about your trip to uh, Vallecas and what you saw there. Obviously, you witnessed a, an injury time equaliser from Bebe for uh, Raya Vallecano, having uh, taken the lead, Raya. They were then 2-1 down uh, before Bebe's uh, heroics. Uh, tell, me, uh, tell me what you saw, what you liked. Uh, what I liked, in a way, and maybe this is an overly obvious thing to say about a 2-2 draw, was both teams and the way they try and play and the, the, the things they try to do. And they are teams that are not defensive, that, that aren't, aren't trying to close the game off. And actually, maybe Real Sociedad may feel like ultimately that they, that they should have done. The goal that Mikel Oyazabo scores, well, the first of the two goals that he scores, the second is a penalty, is just a goal of, of such precision and technique that it's almost silly the, the, there's a cross from Barrenechea and a finish from Oyazabal on the volley, side-footed into the corner. And both of them are done in a way that feels like they're not really trying. They're both so effortless. It's like, oh yeah, I've just put a volley in the top corner as if it was nothing. Oh yeah, I've just put a cross straight on the foot of my teammate. And there were, the, 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 the quality of that was, was really, really striking. The ease with which it happened. And although he had... Um, Physically, I don't think he was in particularly great shape, but there were, there were one or two moments from Barra Neche. I thought, oh, really, really good as well. Um, the, 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 oh, my mind's gone black. The kid, number 16, in the, who came on in the middle of midfield, I thought was really good. Yet another kid coming through, uh, Olastagaski Gasti, uh, came on and, and, and played, I thought, very, very well. And then Rio kept on trying to make things happen. They probably had a bit less of the game than, than Real Sociedad. They probably got away with it a tiny bit by getting the draw in this. But, but ultimately, I think the, the, the way they approach it probably means they deserve it. And of course, they're in a position now where they're only one point off European positions. Um, Bebe comes on, doesn't get very minutes, many minutes. Everyone laughs at him a little bit, but he scores this goal. And every time he gets the ball, people are like, shoot, shoot. And he was coming inside and you knew he was shooting at some point. It was just a case of at which point. And he took it so well. It was a brilliant, brilliant shot. Um, and, and Francisco post-game was quite interesting, the Rio manager, because he said that he was very conscious that he wanted the team to start well this season. And because basically because this start is, is brilliant. But he was saying, I was conscious of wanting to start well because when you come off the back of the last two years with a different manager, playing in a particular way, nearly getting into Europe each time, it's very easy for the new start to be like, well, he's not there anymore. Everyone's kind of got an excuse. The whole thing collapses quickly. So you've got to start well to maintain that momentum. And then within that start, maybe you can start making a few tweaks. Maybe you can start making a few changes. They perhaps got a bit lucky, didn't they, in the first two or three weeks? Was it the Almeria game? Was that even week one, Almeria? Or was that week mm-hmm. two? It was right near the no. start, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was right near. And, and, and yeah. you know, there's sort of just that sense of, okay, the results see us through this. And, and, and bit by bit, I, I think they, they look like... They look like a team that, that still knows what they're doing. And I think we thought that might not be the case with the departure of Andoni Adaola. And it very much is now. They've got a difficult run now because they get Barcelona, Real Madrid and someone else quite big. I can't remember. Girona. And Girona in, in the next four <laughs> weeks. Right, is, is that the next four yeah, games? Wow. Yes. Okay. So it's perfectly plausible they have no more points in a month's time. It's perfectly plausible. But for the moment, at least, they're in a really, really strong position. I'd like to remind you what happened last couple of times Barcelona have been to Vallecas, Sydney. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I, I completely agree with you. Yes. I have won the last two times that Barcelona have yeah. been to Vallecas. So, haha, not so fast. Um, all right, before yeah. we go, this is what happened in uh, the Segunda Leganés. Three points 
clear at the top. They beat Villarreal B 1-0. Eibar absolutely flying. They're second after their 5-1 win over Valladolid. Sporting a third. Sorry, Sid. They beat Espanyol 2-0. Yeah. Levante lost 2-0 at Andorra. But Oviedo, they're up to 12th. They beat Alcorcón 2-0. So, um, huge result there. Uh, this week, it's the Copa del Rey first round. 55 one-off ties. No Madrid, Barca, Atleti or Osasuna. Of course, they're playing in the uh, Spanish Super Cup. Some highlights or some big games to look out for. <clears throat> San Roque de Lepe against Girona. Quintanar de la Orden against Sevilla. Turegano against Celta. Buñol against Real Sociedad. Hernán Cortés against Betis. And Rubí against Athletic Club. So there we go. Some absolute minnows. Are Ruby, are Ruby, are Ruby playing Athletic Club on um, Tuesday? Because I'd very much like them Ruby to get knocked out, so it could be goodbye Ruby Tuesday. That's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the Spanish Film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. After this weekend's rock and roll classico, the Beatles yeah. against the Stones, it's a miracle that it's taken me this long to come up with a crap Rolling Stones pun. Well, there we go. You managed it in the end. I had every confidence in you. Um, that's it for uh, this week's edition <laughs> of the Spanish Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, amigos, we'll be uh, uh, over on patreon.com forward slash TSFP for the rest of the week, providing top quality Spanish content uh, for our dear patrons. Why not come and join us? And if you don't want to do that, we'll see you next week. Adios. Cheerio. Cheerio.